you heard. You come. Sanders from the pocket delivers to the end zone, and it's a leaping touchdown pass by Travis Hunter. To the line here, fakes it, throws into the end zone. Weaver touchdown. Some extra power from McCaskill pushes him across the plane of the goal line. Touchdown. Colorado blocks the punt. It's a scoop and a score for CU. Trevor Woods. Welcome back to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Chase, do you think that the personal message was felt by the team last week? Uh, it seemed like it because... Um... They didn't play very well, but uh, they still absolutely beat the shit out of them. So uh, I think it seemed pretty, pretty personal to them. Yeah. And all the, you know, whatever, all the bullshit about meeting on halftime or meeting in the middle of the field and on the buff and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah it seemed pretty personal to a lot of people there. Did you see? It was personal it, to me. Okay. Yeah. It was personal. I think it's personal to a lot of CU fans, yeah. which shout out to every single person that did not sell out their ticket for a couple extra hundred or maybe thousand depending on the ticket location yeah, but a couple yeah. a couple extra dollars cuz the stadium i heard on tv it actually looked not not bad but it looked like there was more red than there was from well yeah because the fox uh big noon broadcast booth thing was mm-hmm. pointing the camera was pointing to the away side yeah looking directly at the nebraska section yeah so like yes it did look like there was more red because they were pointing to the only section of guaranteed red that was in the whole thing yeah Um, i i sent you the picture right yeah you did yeah yeah, no there were a lot of yeah it was solid it was my guess is 85 percent to you fans oh really that's good which considering i mean and They've done that to other teams where they've like they've traveled and like outnumbered home teams before. So it's not like this is a CU only thing. So I'm I'm pretty proud of of what I would guess is like 85%. CU. Yeah, I I think it was a very good showing by CU fans. Definitely the best we've had um in a long time. I mean, it seemed absolutely nuts in there. Like obviously I couldn't be there cuz I don't live in the same state and couldn't make it out, but it definitely seemed crazy in there, which you were there, so you could probably speak on that. Yeah, and I, I will actually, uh, because now that you mention it, someone uh, sent in an email to the to the mailbag, and it's from Sue, and Sue said, "Good podcast, thanks, Sue." What was it like <laughs> to be in the stadium for the Nebraska game? Uh, what do you think about the Mel Tucker situation? Oh. You guys were right Ooh. about Weaver and Chase was close on the score. Nice job. Uh, we'll take it one by one. So what was it like to be in the stadium? Uh, I'm probably going to catch a little bit of flack for this. Okay. Because, it, I mean, the students were phenomenal. The fans were phenomenal. Everybody did incredibly well. And it was loud. It felt like they were having trouble with snap count. Or maybe it's just Jeff Sims is trash. But probably it both. looked it probably both. It, I mean, it was great. But something about it energetic. I mean, you know how you like sometimes you can just feel the energy of a place. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like that of say 2016 Utah. Hmm. Now my thoughts about about that are it never really seemed like the game was in doubt. Yeah. Okay. Whereas that Utah game, there were there it was back and forth for a majority of that game. 
I remember being at that game um, and just the moment that we knew that we were going to win. And yeah, it was Oleg Bode picked up that fumble and ran in for a touchdown and everyone kind of looked at each other like, oh my God, this is really happening. And the stadium started going nuts. And just that feeling, like, I think that's just going to be hard to achieve in game two of the season, regardless of yeah, if it's the rivalry game against Nebraska and it's Coach Prime and all that stuff. Like, it, there was a lot of energy around it a lot of content around it obviously they just released recently the viewership was like almost nine million people or something like that watch that game so 8.7 it's a big deal but yeah i could see how inside the stadium maybe it would feel a little different especially since they controlled the game for most of it even if it felt shaky for the first quarter and a half or so yeah i mean but yeah i mean don't i mean don't get me wrong it was still nuts like it was still very loud i just I just and maybe who knows maybe I'm looking back on 2016 with like uh what do they call it black and gold colored glasses sure but um no it was it was it was still such a fun game to be at and let me tell you waving by I was being such a prick I was just waving yeah. by to every single person I saw walking past which in my section there were very few people but there was there was um there's somebody right next to us in the section over that I could see and they're being loud and then there was somebody who sold our ticket, who sold their tickets this game, literally right in front of my seats and won over oh, really? one seat over. They sold their seats this t- this last game and then two years ago in 2019. So if you ever show up to that seat again, I'm going to kick you in the dick. <laughs> Whoever you are. Yeah, that, that's, that's going to be... Yeah, I would recommend if I knew that person, I would recommend they don't uh, show their face to you. So no. I'm going to say something, that's for sure. But no, it was it was. But yeah, it, again, it was just it, it was it was so awesome to be there because that was I was so bummed when they scored that last second touchdown. And this is just me being. Oh, greedy. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. I was like, we're going to beat him by more than by more than 62 to 36. And they are going to be yeah. fucking livid. We're two yeah. points short. And was is my math right? Two points is twenty-two points. Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, whatever. It was going it was. to be the biggest win in the history of the rivalry. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was so bummed. But um, the way I look at it, we all know that Prime's going to make this roster even more talented next year. It's going to be crazy talented. And Matt Rule is not going. Matt Rule's not going to do what he's doing. So I can only imagine it's going to be a bigger deficit next year. I told you, man, he's a fucking jag. He is. Yeah. So he's everything he does. He talks shit in the off season about like, I know everyone's talking about being excited for the transfer portal, but I'm excited to coach my team and my guys yeah. that I have in front of me right now. And then leading up to the game, he's all nice and like saying we're top the 10 most team. respect for them. They're a top 10 team, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, dude, whatever, man. It's just so fake. And then the whole thing about yep. the, altercation in the middle of the field and he says oh it's a team prayer that we always do and then like there's a video i mean obviously there's video of it there's well off media and reach yeah. of people those guys are all around and it's just a bunch of dudes standing on the logo in the middle of the field like there's yep. no no one has like their head down there's no prayer i didn't even see matt rule there while shadur yep. was there so i don't know i don't know what was going on with that but just a weird vibe from that guy um yeah. good good luck with that Nebraska, did you, see, you. Did you see the clip of Shador 
Some one dude was just like standing right next to Shadur. Yeah, he flashed his watch. Flashes Rolex right in his face. Just, I saw a bunch of people saying, you like, come back a bunch, of, a bunch of Cornhusker fans being like, oh, yeah, flashing your daddy's money. And then everyone was like, dude, that's his own money. Like, yeah. he's rich because he plays for, because he's like individually famous now. And uh, he's got a sponsorship deal like, with like Tom Brady. Right. His NIL evaluation is the highest in all of college football. So, um, yeah, he can afford that Rolex himself for sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's the whole thing is a funny interaction. Um, what was the second part of that question? Mel Tucker. Like, yeah. What do you think about the Mel Tucker situation? I'll, I'll let you um, talk first. The only thing I'm going to say about the Mel Tucker situation is uh, we don't fully know what happened right now. Um, it seems like a bad deal. It seems like he potentially was uh, slimy. But I don't know. You, we can't really talk about that because. We don't know all the details and all the facts of everything, but um, I will say the only thing I'll comment on with Mel Tucker is uh, he left and in the moment it was like, oh my God, the world is ending. But if he hadn't left, then Carl Durrell wouldn't have come here and Mm -hmm. sunk the team so fucking hard that we were so bad that we had no choice but to hire the one coach who could fix that problem, and that's Coach yeah. Prime. So um, in a Perfect weird roundabout stand. way, he is the reason why we are where we are now. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Sounds like he's going to probably be a legitimately unhirable now. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, not a good not a good spot. But. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say like too much on it. Cause I know things, I know details about it that like, I'm not, that I'm not going to share just because it's like private stuff, but he, this is not the first time he's done something like that. Um, I, I don't know about his past prior to see you. Um, but you know, I, I, by the time when I found out things that I found out, you know, it, it was almost like it was a blessing that he he left in the middle of that because we would have probably been sitting here in this exact same situation that Michigan State's in right. uh, if he had stayed. So, yeah, um, not a, not a good not a good dude just in general. But but yeah, I'm, I, again, Mel, Mel Tucker is no longer our concern. We are we are on to bigger and better things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. Um, and then the last part was you guys were right about Weaver and Chase was close on the score. Uh yeah, I think yeah, because I think we both said that Weaver was probably gonna have a breakout game. He did. Mm-hmm. And yep. um we also said Jordan Dominic and Jordan Dominic also had a breakout game. So we yeah, were, well to be fair, you off. said you said Jordan Dominic. I said uh McClendon, but it just ended up being a different edge guy that uh, yeah. held it down. So uh kudos to you on that one. Good job. Yeah, thanks. Um, but yeah, so I mean to kind of dig into the game a little bit, I mean I think I know where I'm guessing I know what your concerns are going to be. They're probably the same as mine, but maybe we have something different. So let's, let's start off with the bad and get it out of the way. Oh, okay. Why don't you go ahead? Cause I'm, I may have a point to make about what you're going to talk about. So go okay. for it. But I mean, I think my biggest concern, I have two and I'm sure they're pretty much everybody's concern. I'm not like, this is not groundbreaking stuff here, but uh, the O line besides tank because tank PFF graded out like I think almost NFL level 
above size. yeah he's he's like yeah. nfl level him and shador and i think travis is grading out close to that but he's grading out at two positions so i think that kind of equals like nfl level player yeah um, but, yeah. um so i mean that's one thing that we always can lean on is that Shadur's blind side is going to be pretty pretty safe with with tank holding that side down um but obviously there's a lot of pressure and i I've been trying to find a good stat website. You probably know this, and I need to find one, or you can give me to give me the stat site. But I can't find how many quarterback hurries there were because I we all know there were eight mm. sacks. Yeah, um, I was I, I was looking know, for that, but yeah, I wonder how many hurries there were because I it felt like especially in the first half they were getting Shadur was hurried every single throw, and I, I saw some people say, "Well, he held the ball too long." Yes, there were certainly like three sacks probably that I can think of that he held the ball too long. Um, my counterpoint to that is we watched him hold the ball for a long time against TCU, make people miss, make a ridiculous throw, touchdown, 40-yard gain, 20-yard gain. I mean, that's kind of what he does. And I'm not going to be concerned about him like holding the ball too long and taking a couple sacks if he's also going to do the same thing and then turn it into a huge play. So... I get why people are saying it's not all on the line, and it's not. Um, but I went through and watched the entire first half because that was when it was really noticeable. And I counted five different times where he was hurried when it was just a three-man rush. Mm-hmm. Just three. Just a three-man rush. And to me, again, the three three-man rush with five guys blocking plus a, a running back sometimes picking up that that rush is unexcusable. And really, you have to look at it as like a two-man rush because Tank was not letting anybody get past him. So two guys were beating the other four on that line consistently for that first half. And, that, I mean, one one other thing I noticed, too, is that Nebraska was – they they have enough guys at D-line. They were actually rotating fresh – a fresh rotation each series. Uh, so they had three guys in for the first series, a different three for the next diff- – the first three. They just kept rotating it. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that obviously contributes, but, man, you can't, you can't let your quarterback get hurried that much with a three man rush. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, this, yeah, this is what I wanted to talk about was that, uh, the pressures cause I've this, let's see, today is uh Tuesday. So, um, it'll be put out, this will be put out tomorrow, but at this point, like over the weekend in the last two days i've had enough time to see a bunch of content that's come out about cu obviously because there's just a million things being uh, written and said and talked about and all that stuff uh nationally even (laughs) right just everywhere and essentially there are like three different talking points that get hit with this team it's um either they got they gave up a bunch of sacks. The line suck, basically. Um, they gave up eight sacks as a team. Like they're never going to be able to win like that. There's, oh well, they beat Nebraska, but Nebraska is terrible, and they beat TCU, but TCU is terrible. So that's like the other negative talking point is yeah. like, oh, the team, you know, revision, revisionist history, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't think Nebraska is going to be exceptional by any means, but I do think their defense is legit. Like I think. Their yeah. defensive coordinator, I forget what his name is, but he made a really good game plan. I'm just gonna throw that out there based on rewatching uh the game. Like they were doing a lot of really smart things. Mm-hmm. Uh and then 
the third talking point is just essentially like some sort of thing about depth. Like everyone always brings up depth, 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 depth. So we don't have depth, whatever, whatever that means. I mean, we know what it means, but like, I think that's just, those are just the talking points that they keep hitting. So the one that I wanted to hit on was the offensive line. Oh, the running thing. That was the other thing with the, that was going to be my other one too. Can't run the ball. So I have things on both of those. First of all, passing game. I agree. Shadur was definitely hurried a decent amount, especially in the beginning. Like it seemed like they went out and they weren't really sure what they were going to see. And then um, after a couple, you know, after the first half, essentially, they kind of figured out what they were looking at Mm -hmm. uh, defensively and they were able to figure out some things that worked. Shadur even said something to the effect of like, you know, they were playing Minnesota last week, so they showed a lot of different stuff than what they showed against us because Minnesota basically can't throw the ball because their quarterback is a noodle arm. Yeah. Um, so they played them differently. So that, that makes sense to me. But the things that I wanted to hit on is, so Shador was sacked seven times. There were eight sacks total, but the last one was in garbage time, and That's it was right. Ryan Staub yep. who got sacked. Uh, so he sacked seven times. I went back and watched every one of those plays because i'm a sicko and i had a lot of time this week um <laughs> so the, the so the first so i'm just gonna break this down in the first half there were four of them right the first yep. sack quote unquote is for some reason being credited even though it was an intentional grounding but they like have been crediting it crediting it as a sack which i didn't think they did but that's the only way that i've been able to find it in all of those uh statistical like the box scores and everything um yep. and it was just they had Isaiah Jada as a fullback basically lined up and he was coming across the formation and the dude just like juked him out and like smoked Shadur just like right off the bat or just got to him right away. Um, second one, and I'm going to try to go through these quick because I know this will take a long time. Second one, um, Shadur dropped back, basically saw a hole in the line and tried to run through it. And then the lineman for Nebraska just like reached out with one arm and just made a really good tackle, was able to grab onto him before he could get anywhere. So it wasn't really like a breakthrough or anything. He just literally just was able to keep his head up and reach over and grab Shadur before he could get through the gap in the line himself. Mm-hmm. Third one. Third one was an RPO that Shadur had where it looked like he was, could have handed it off, but he thought he was going to have a passing lane and their linebacker showed blitz and then backed off like right as Shadir pulled the ball out of his hand and just completely blocked it. And then as soon as that happened, like with all those RPOs, you leave a defender unblocked. So the unblocked guy just ran in and and tackled him. So it yeah. wasn't really, it's not a coverage, like a, it's not a protection thing. That's just, he got fooled basically. Yep. Um, third one or the fourth one, he had a million years to throw and he was scrambling around after like, he had like five seconds where no one was there. And then someone got to him and he scrambled all around and then he ran out of bounds two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So like just in that, that's four sacks and that's within the first two drives, um, or first three drives. And most of those are just, there was really one that was like, that was a bad block. The other three were either a error on what he was seeing from the defense. Um, he tried to, to run right away and didn't make it or like just straight up. He had a million years to throw and then just ended up having nothing downfield and ran out of bounds. So like sounds bad, but I guess when I looked at it, didn't seem as bad. Um, and then in the second half, there was a sack where Dylan got blown up by a linebacker 
poor guy is like five foot eight, and the dude just absolutely obliterated him. I will say uh, though, the they ran the a touchdown, similar blitz, yeah, yeah, similar blitz on touchdown, and Dylan uh, cut him, and it was perfect. The, yes. the dude, the dude was out of the play. It was, it was fucking perfect. So I don't know if Dylan picked that up on his own, or I'm guessing, um, I'm guessing, uh, I'm forgetting the quarterback coach's name or the running back coach's name now. But he probably pulled him aside and told him what to do. But either way, he executed. Yes, flea. He executed yeah. it flawlessly. But anyways, continue. No, no credit to him for coming back. Uh, and then in the second half, um, he was sacked three more times. The the first one, like I said, was Dylan getting blown up by a linebacker which like sucks, but what do you, you know, what are you going to do? Like they sent an extra guy and it was Dylan's responsibility. And he just got uh, whooped. Yep. Um, excuse me. Sorry. That's uh, my dog, Max chiming in. He didn't like that Dylan got blown up on that either. So, um, and then, yeah, the sixth one was the goal line, the third and one that was supposed to literally just be like a quick pass. And he just wanted to get a throw off and thought he might have seen something at the end held on to it for too long like genuinely i think it was like four he had like four seconds in the pocket before someone got to him and then the last one uh was like like you were talking about it was a three-man rush they dropped eight into coverage and shadur was kind of like bouncing around like he was looking for somewhere to go and i think he just drifted a little left and it opened him up for a rusher to get in there but all in all all i'm trying to say with that is um, it's not like I would say most of those were not just guys on the line getting beat. Um, obviously he had a lot of other pressures where guys got beat. Like I, you know, I see that stuff. Obviously I know like guys are flying at him up the middle and everything, but sometimes it is other stuff. Like, uh, he had to see the defense a little longer and read it. Shador, the last thing is too Shador. Like, I think I love having Shador and he's, obviously an incredible quarterback. And I think along with him comes the fact that he's always going to think that he can make another play. Like he trusts his wide receivers. He trusts all the talent that he has around him. And so he's always going to try to make another play. So like, he's going to hold on to that ball for a long time. Even in the TCU game, you saw he would hold it until like the last second, a lot of the time that he could. So as a result of that, like he's going to take some sacks. It just is what it is. He's going to take some sacks and um, he's also going to make some amazing plays and he's going to find people that other quarterbacks probably wouldn't have found because they wouldn't have stood in the pocket long enough to make it happen. So you kind of just have to take the good with the bad on it. He got sacked seven times. It's a gaudy number. I'm just trying to put it into perspective. Like it's not as it was horrible. As bad, yeah. yeah. As people are making it seem. Um, I think if I'm I think like, if we yeah. saw the number for hurries, I think that might be where it's concerning. That's probably a little bad, a little worse. Yeah. They definitely were having a harder time getting the ball out super quick. Like it seemed like at TCU, they got the ball out fast often, and I think just whatever zone they were playing for Nebraska was really giving them a hard time getting the ball out quickly, like he wanted to. So yeah, they yeah they they schemed up for it well in the first half, and then the second half, I think Lewis made adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but. But they kind of got back to the to that quick that quick throw play that they want to they want to run. I did think it was weird that we didn't go very fast. Like our tempo was not really mm-hmm. there, and no. I haven't really. I mean, I know should like should have commented on it, but unless Prime said something in his press conference today because I haven't watched it, I haven't heard a reason why. Because that seems like 
the perfect opportunity to go fast when you're going against a team that can't match you offensively and you just want to run their defense into the dirt. Why wouldn't you? I, I really want to know Sean Lewis's thought process behind that. Yeah, I think, and I even, I texted you about this, like during the game after the first half, it felt like Nebraska, like it felt like they played that game exactly how Nebraska wanted it to be played in the first half. Like they definitely controlled the time of possession it was slow. It was clunky. They like dragged us into the mud, basically, is what it felt like. Where they were just like, this is going to suck. Everyone's going to hate it. But this is where we live, you know, in this shithole of football that is gross and disgusting and everyone hates it. A complete contrast to the TCU game where it was like fireworks and crazy offensive plays and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even after all that, after, I mean, there were penalties there. Yeah, you were right. It was slower than normal. They were still winning 13 to nothing. And I, I texted you at that point and was like, I feel like that was their best. That was their best case scenario, how that whole first half played out. And then, yeah, they're still losing. So, um, I do think we got a little lucky with that, but you know, uh, I just think they still have stuff to figure out, you know, as much as the offense is good, I think, you know, this is still, it's the second game that they're playing together. I mean, Shador clearly has a good grasp on it, but the whole team, like in order to really go fast, everyone has to have like a really excellent grasp of the offense and how it works. I think is the big issue. So, yeah, I don't know. And between that and I think too, in the second half, you know, they started to stretch it out a little bit score wise and they started to kind of see like Nebraska is not, they're not going to score a lot of points. So I think they were just trying to be careful not to like do anything dumb. Um, and just, yeah, kind of take it back a notch on as far as like the speed and just focus on the execution of the plays as it happened. Um, which, yeah. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say about Shador. He's going to hold the ball a lot, so he'll make really great plays, and he'll get sacked sometimes, but the whole reason why that happens is also because he's not going to make a stupid choice where he's going to throw the ball to the right. defense. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he's He, like, doesn't turn the ball over ever. So sometimes that means, like, he just takes a sack instead of feeling pressure and being like, I might be able to get it to this guy and throwing it. He's just going to take the sack. So that's, like, the other part of it, too. Um, yeah, but yeah, the pace was was slower than I expected to, but they did okay. I mean, whatever. They scored thirty six points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they got it going. And then, yeah, and I, I mean, I know you were going to mention too with the running game. For maybe you have different thoughts on this, but my thoughts are: let's revisit this topic, and if we get McCaskill back, mm-hmm. and we still do not have a game where we like are able to assert some dominance in the running game. Then, then I think it's it's warranted to start kind of being concerned about the the running game. Until then, I'm not going to sweat it. Yeah, I'm I'm just not that worried about it. I know everyone talks about that was the other annoying thing that on like all the podcasts and shows that I saw, they'd be like, they only had 55 rushing yards. Like, no, dude. even Joel Class got, said that. Yeah, they got sacked seven times. Like, and in college, they take away the sack yardage, which is stupid, by the way. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. So, yeah, that was the other thing about the running game is they had 123 yards rushing, if you take away the sacks, on 26 attempts, which is like a 4.7-yard average, essentially, which isn't excellent, 
but it's not terrible either. Like 4.7 yards per carry is like pretty good. Um, Dylan had 55 on nine carries, which is like a 6.1 yard average. So granted, most of that came on the the long one that he had, the like 30 something yarder that he had. But I think that's just kind of how Dylan is. Like he's either going to get tackled between one and three yards or he's going to break something for like 20 plus. Like that's just, I think that's the kind of running back that he's going to be. Um, which is why I agree with you. I think getting Alton in there kind of changes the game a lot because he's a very different running back, but he's definitely more of the like first, second down, hand him the ball. Like he's going to hit the hole quick and just get those like chunk six yards, seven yard carries that just get you on schedule for the rest of the set of downs a lot. So I agree with that. Yeah, I, I do. I do think it's odd. I mean, yeah, I mean, you already talked about how Dylan is. Uh, Sivion Wilkerson is the little tree trunk dude. Is he's gonna? I mean, he's like he is a power back. Like he's gonna get you those yards. Like when you need a couple yards, he'll get them. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not like that's not somebody that you have as your every down back that's gonna Mm-mm. get five six yards of carry. Uh, Kavassier smoke. I don't under. I don't know what's going on there. Um, cause I know, I know last week, you know, it seemed like there was some family stuff going on, but this week I don't, I mean, as far as I know, he was suited up. He went in a couple times and then I don't think we saw him again after that, like the first two times we saw him. So I yeah, don't know what I, the deal is there. He was dinged up at some point during their fall. Uh, yeah. During their camp too. So I don't know if maybe he's yeah. just like behind cause he was injured for a portion and then whatever happened with his family was going on. And then. I mean, yeah, so I don't know if they're just bringing him on slow or what. It'll be interesting to see this weekend if if we see him more, if he gets more carries or or what. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's a little bit strange to me. But I just, yeah, I'm with you. I'm just not going to worry about the running game until I have to, really, which will not be this weekend, I don't think. So no, it, it will um, not be. I, I think Alton... I, I get the feeling like they're not playing Alton until Oregon. Like I think they're, I think they're saving him till Oregon because he's going to bring a different look that they're not ready to see. And I don't think they're, they're going to need him for next week or for this weekend. So I feel like they're thinking we'll save him. We'll give him another week to like be good to go. And then we'll bring him in is like the vibe that I'm getting. That's just completely me just like making a guess based on the things that I've seen, but I feel like that's what they're going to do. No, I, I've, I've thought a similar thing and this is might just be me completely bullshitting, but I think just because of how confident prime and, and the staff and the players have all been, I think they knew we can go three, and zero without the best running back on the team, possibly yeah. like top three running back in the conference. If he mm-hmm. is what he looks like, he could be. I think they're confident if they're like, we don't need to play him. I think that's the other thing too, is prime isn't like the, what I think of the majority of football coaches where they're going to be like, eh, if you're 90%, you can go because they want to win games. He cares right, more yeah. about the guy getting healthy and making sure he has a long, like longevity. But um, in my mind, I'm like, I think they're confident enough and he probably is fully healthy, but they're like, why not? Why not save him for, for Oregon? And make sure that just in just on the off chance that he is like one two percent away, not risk it, and then he comes out and it's an entirely new look. Yeah, it could be. I think you're right. I think 
Coach Prime just cares a lot about making sure that they're okay, especially someone like Alton. Like he's a sophomore, so yeah, like, like he's thinking. Coach Prime is thinking, I'm going to need this guy for three years, not, you know, I'm trying to get him in for one season. Like he's not like, yeah, like a graduate transfer that's only going to be here for a year, you know. So he's really thinking long term with him for sure. Um, which. You know, it's good. It's good to see, I guess. I just, yeah, I hope he can get out there for Oregon because they're going to need him for sure. Um, The only other thing I wanted to say with running game-wise is actually about the defense and stopping the run because that was the other thing that I saw a lot of people talking about is, oh, my God, they gave up 236 yards rushing for an average of six yards per carry, Um, which it was a lot for sure. Uh. The thing about it is Ramir Johnson had a 44-yard run in garbage time, and Jeff Sims had a 57-yard run on one play on a QB draw. (laughs) And without those two plays, they ran for 135 yards on 37 carries, which is like a 3.6 yards per carry average. So like that's that's good defense, really, is what that is. And if they're going to run the ball damn near 40 times, eventually they're going to probably break one. That's just kind of how it goes with a team like that especially with a quarterback that runs like eventually one of those is going to go you hope he doesn't go for a 57 yard touchdown like that one did but i feel a lot less worried about the running game i would say after this last week than i did uh after the week before yeah i genuinely i i genuinely generally gosh i can't talk i generally agree with what you're saying but like yeah that the I don't want to credit the Nebraska guy ever, but that that run by Sims was one hundred percent a design draw. Oh yeah, yeah. 100%. Because whoever was on that outside, that receiver on the outside, and nobody knows any Nebraska skill position players because they're all they aren't even fucking Jags. They're like I don't know what you would call below that, but they're not yeah. that. Um, yeah. But he ran in, and it looked like Trevor Woods was. I don't want to say he was spying, but Trevor Woods just like knows where to be. And so Trevor Woods is coming up to make that play and he got cracked on by that receiver. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I mean, they, they, whoever, I mean, obviously the offensive coordinator called it and he, he saw there in man and they, they ran that draw and it worked out well. But yeah, I mean, other than that, 3.7, 3.6 yards, whatever is, I, I have really very few complaints about the defense. We got sacks, we contained the edge aside from one play. And even then that was more of a scheme. Like that was a, a play right. mismatch. Play design thing. Yeah. Um, another one was garbage time. We didn't give up a lot in the air. Granted, Jeff Sims can't be anybody through the air. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't have many complaints about the defense at all. No, no. I think that's really pretty much it for complaints throughout the whole game. I mean, we pretty much hammered it. I feel like the offensive line and whatever, whatever the sack issue was, and uh, yeah, and the run running yardage, which is really not even a problem. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to give I do want to give credit because we shat on him a lot last week, but the special teams was was solid too. Jace Feely oh, yeah. is mm-hmm. yep. is a monster. Um, Excellent. Bassett, the punter. I got I got a text from He's a, a Nebraska from a Nebraska fan fan. Uh, he was like, "It's really disappointing." To see you beating us so bad and then your punter goes out there and it just looks like he doesn't even care because <laughs> the way he's when he said that i kind of watched how he punted and it 
it does. He gets the ball and he's just so like, like he still moves quickly to get the ball out. But just the way he moves looks like he just doesn't give a shit about being there. And then he skies yeah. it for like 60 yards or he pins them twice inside the 10. All right. Yeah. So, no, he's, yeah, he's very good. It's nice that they kind of seem to figure that out, whatever, yeah, whatever issues they were having. They kind of got it down, got the first game jitters out of the way or whatever. Yeah. It was, it was good to see. Um, anything else you want to touch on for Nebraska? Um, well, I'd like to touch on the good things. Uh, other than, I mean, Shadour, Did I, not, I meant kinda, to say anything bad, but I thought I said anything bad. Uh, yeah. But. I, um, okay. Well, then, yeah, I'll dive into what we liked. Um, we spent the first 15 minutes of this thing talking about like Shador getting sacked a lot and all these problems. And he had 393 yards and three total touchdowns. So that was pretty fucking sweet. Right. That was, that was the thing is like, I think I texted you this too. I was like, I thought he was playing horrible. Like, not horrible. I was like, I, I don't think he's playing well at all. I finally get internet in the stadium because I had no internet for 98% of that game. And I checked the stats. And at that point he had like 280 yards and I was like, where, how, what? Yep. Like, yep. He just, he just, that's like, that is some Heisman stuff is when you have a bad game and you still throw for more than 95% of other quarterbacks that week. Yeah, no, he's, he's the real deal. For sure. Um, I saw Mel Kuyper moved him to like the number three quarterback in his uh, draft class for this year or whatever, if he was to go out this year. Yeah, he um, he's uh, no, he's he's legit, man. I mean, even I saw some people talking about it seems like there's still some narratives out there about him that he's having a hard time shaking like uh, arm strength is one that people like to talk about a lot. So like he had that uh, pass to Zay Weaver, who also had an awesome game today, yeah. 170 yards and a touchdown. Um, he had that pass to Zay Weaver where like the blitz was coming and he knew it was coming, so he just lobbed a ball over the defense that uh, Weaver kind of ran under and caught and and took. And I saw, I think it was Tom Fornelli, which like. I like Tom Fernelli as an analyst. I think he's typically very good at his job, but he's one of these guys that has this opinion of Shador. That whole, like, his whole podcast, his whole CBS sports uh, little brouhaha that they have going on over there that, for whatever reason, decided to, like, uh, have this thing with Coach Prime um, from the TCU game where they all decided to collectively bet against the buffs and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, that group, like I listen to them a lot and I do actually typically like the things that they have to say, but he did tweet something during the game. Like Shader's arm talent isn't quite there. And you can see on that last pass play because that could have been a touchdown. And for me, I don't think that's an accurate representation. Like I don't think him seeing a blitz and tossing a ball up is a good representation of arm strength like that pass was like 35 yards in the air 30 yards yeah. in the air so if you're telling me you don't think you can get a ball 30 yards in the air like faster than that then you then okay then i don't know what to tell you like we've seen him wrong. do it against tcu the, even the, the same stuff game. no the arm strength stuff the stuff for me that says that your quarterback is a strong arm is the play where he rolled out to his left and Travis broke to the sideline and he fired an absolute missile straight to him, caught it. And it was like 11 yards and people don't really think about that, but that's not normal. People cannot throw the ball past a defender 
on their weak side to the sideline like that. That's not a thing that normal Ooh. people can do. So that I thought was incredible. And I just wish that people would recognize like, oh, he has all the things. Like you don't have to say, oh, well, he's really smart, but he doesn't have the arm talent. Like, no, he has a great arm and he's smart. Okay. Really, the only thing that you wouldn't like about him is he's not like a quote unquote true dual threat, which is uh, you know, something that more people are these days. But yeah. Yeah. So uh props to Shador, 393 yards, three touchdowns in a game that looks like uh he was struggling. Yeah, no, that was that was that was an absolute dart. And then there's another one over the middle. Um that he he it went through a Nebraska got the defensive back's hands. Oh yeah, got, yeah, yeah. And I got a text again. Again, so for those of you who don't know, I grew up in Nebraska, unfortunately. So I have like all my yeah. high school friends are big Nebraska fans, and so I was getting texts left and right, and those texts slowly started to decrease throughout the game, which was phenomenal. Uh, but there, they he just rifled one, and it went over this guy's hand, like through this guy's hands, and I got a text that was like, "We just keep killing ourselves, like easy mistakes like that, like that should have been a pick," and I was like. Where that guy was standing, and as like as hard as Shadur threw that ball, that is a hard pick to make, because he was like probably 15 yards in front of this guy, and Shadur put it like in just like maybe it could have been like a foot or two higher, but it was about as good of a throw as you could have asked for, and it was just a bullet right to this guy. I mean, that's like saying you should hit a fastball because it's middle, middle over the heart of the plate yeah. and ignoring the fact that it came in at 103, you know, like you just, yes, I understand that. Cause like I saw that replay and I did think, Oh yeah, that almost looks like it could have been a pick, but he did. He just whipped it to, uh, I forget who the receiver was on the, on the other end, probably Zay Weaver, uh, with the Most game likely. that he was having, but, uh, yeah, like he, he just fired it in there. So, um no good good on him he was awesome all game i know he's gonna throw a pick eventually because that stuff just happens Mm -hmm. but uh it does feel good to just every time he drops back you're like all right no matter what happens like it's gonna be okay he's not gonna do something catastrophic didn't he throw like less than 10 picks in his entire high school career or maybe it was like 12 Mm, I forget, but I know he only had like four at Jackson State last year, and he had like a million touchdowns. So I'm looking up how many he threw in high school because it was like an absurd number. It's always been a thing for him that he's always taking care of the ball. So, um, yeah, I feel very good about that. It's very nice considering I, I just still I can't get past the fact that compared to the quarterbacks we have had the last few years, it's just so so much easier to watch a game when you feel like you have the best quarterback on the field it's just a completely different dynamic for sure yeah i I think i have a hard time saying shadur is going to not be the best quarterback on the field for every game except for usc yeah, that's pretty much am it. Am I right? being am I being maybe a homer for saying that? Maybe Washington, depending on how you feel about him versus Michael Penix. I mean, Penix. I is... mean, the the Pac-12 has good quarterbacks. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to say anything outrageous here, but yeah, like Caleb Williams obviously is his own thing. Um, but yeah, Shador is going to be, if not the best quarterback on the field, he's gonna. He, the gap is not far from him to anyone else. I would say. So yeah, 
And again, aside from Caleb Williams, I do think he's going to be the most. He's going to be the most careful with the ball, most secure with the ball. I don't know how I want to say that, but he's going. He's I think not he's more. He's he's less likely to turn the ball over than Caleb Williams is. Caleb's a little more free and loose. Yeah. Like he's going to make more insane plays, but uh, I think Shador is like definitely safer. Yeah. Um, but at that point, you're talking about two guys who are probably going to be top draft picks if they yeah. keep going this way. So, um, I know. I think on the Mel Kiper thing he did say along with Shador being the number three quarterback on his board right now, if he comes back next year, he'll be the like surefire number one in the next draft. So, yeah, that would be, that would be something to go from not having a quarterback drafted. Yeah. To having him drafted in the the first round. Yeah. I don't know. That would be sweet, but um, I don't know. Anyway, anything else you want to mention on on the good side of the Nebraska game? Uh, Cam, so, so, God damn, I'm going to say his Cam. name wrong. Cam, someone, someone, Craig. Craig, someone, Craig, yes. Yeah, I mean, he came in for Slusher because Slusher was banged up after last week, which was I was a little nervous about because he had a great game, especially obviously made that tackle at the end of the TCU game. But he came in, uh, Cam came in, and he played really well in relief of Slusher. I honestly. Again, one of those things where, like, as a defensive back, if you don't notice him, they're playing well. And I didn't notice him aside from uh, obviously he had the pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other than that, I didn't. There was never a time where I was like, "Damn, he blew that assignment or he he messed that up." No, I think they have a good thing going there. Where I don't know what Slusher's uh, injury is necessarily. Um, Hopefully he's not out for too horribly long, but it does seem like they're starting to figure out the pieces that they need based on the matchup that they're going to have. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cam definitely seemed to work for the matchup that they had with Nebraska and the running style of offense that they're going to play. But he did make, yeah, he made a great play on that pick. Um, yeah. Just read him the whole way and had it the whole way. So yeah, that was, that was awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, he was great. Um, shout out Taj Austin had a yeah. one and a half sacks. So I feel like we got our him between him and Jordan Dominic uh, being great. Who we already touched on Jordan Dominic earlier, but uh, it seems like we have our our guys that we know can rush the passer or at least play in the backfield for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I was super excited about seeing both those guys. I hope they continue to to work it out. Um, otherwise, you- yeah, I don't know. It was cool watching a game where our team did not play their best at all and still just absolutely beat the shit out of the other team. I think I said that earlier, but still, it's just it's it's excellent. Um, and even the offense didn't play very well, but they still managed to score on seven of their last eight drives, which is again something I just never could have imagined for the last right. couple of years. No, it was yeah, I mean, and when when is the last time that we had two games in a row, or really one game, but two games in a row where we'll win handily? Oh. Yeah. Without without one of those teams being FCS, and even then FCS teams could yeah that's true some trouble every once in a while. That, but that's yeah oh god I know we've we've lost some embarrassing games for yeah. sure. Um, no it'll it'll be it's it's very nice to see them like play actual like Nebraska. Say what you want about Nebraska, 
I stand by. I think their defense is good. I think they will be in games that they should have no business being in because their defense is good enough. Um, their offense is just so terrible. I have a hard time envisioning them like actually winning a lot of games. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, them playing like power five competition and winning by that much where really like it was 36 to seven until the, the garbage time touchdown that Nebraska got against against the backups. So, I mean, that's that is a dominant, dominant win against a power five team that is your rival. like biggest rival so that's something that's truly incredible never could have imagined it happening before until coach prime got here and now we have colorado state and um it's time to absolutely dog walk somebody yeah take them around the block a few times yes yeah yeah i mean csu look let's let's just get into it they they obviously played against week one against washington state and at first I was like, CSU might just be this bad. And yep. they probably are. But you got to give credit credit to Wazoo and Cameron Ward, who Cameron Ward has to be my favorite non-CU player. Oh, yeah. I don't know why, but I love watching that dude play. He's just, he's fun to watch. He takes lesser talent around him and makes it better. Mm-hmm. I love Cam Ward. So that this is my official announcement of my Cam Ward crush. That is but, an exciting team. It's going to be an interesting game out in yeah. Pullman uh, later in the year for sure. Yeah, they're, they're better. They're they're way better than a lot of people expected. Um, yes. So it's part Wazoo being way better, but also man, CSU is is no bueno. People were talking about them being better this year. And I just, I did not see it in that first game whatsoever. Um, Oh, I will say with this game, okay. If you really think about it, we have broken through two layers of what you would call buff shit up to this point in the season is what I would say. Okay. Uh, Number one was preseason hype. We have had multiple years where we have heard this guy has looked awesome in camp. He's going to be incredible. We have our quarterback of the future, Steven Montez. We have a five-star running back was before my time, but, you know, that happened. Like, we have had multiple hype train coming in the station, getting everyone excited. Absolute dud during the season, right? Like, we have doesn't had even, Doesn't even times. leave the station. Right. They came out, played TCU, washed away that fear of, like, okay, no, this is real. It's not just hype. Great. Second thing. Played Nebraska, started the game slow. I had the buff shit feeling of, okay, so we're just going to lay an absolute egg in like a big moment. And we're going to, it's going to, we're going to bend like we're hanging in there, you know, it's zero, zero, but eventually we're going to break and they're going to start running all over us. And then that didn't happen. And then we ended up absolutely dominating them. So just got through that second level. The third and hopefully final level in my mind is the curse of the backup quarterback. Okay. So Clay Millen and or that's his name, right? The starting quarterback for CSU? Millen. No, no, no. As of they announced uh, Right, right. That's what I'm getting to. Their backup quarterback has been moved to their starter. 
Okay. Yeah. And in the history of CU, every time this happens, the backup absolutely torches us. Okay. Torches us. It's even as recently as last year. Hello, Duggan. Oh my God. Khalil Tate, never good against anyone else, but literally set NCAA records against us. Records. He was like that on Heisman watch never list. Be broken. He was on Heisman watch list the next year, almost entirely because of how incredible he was against CU in one game. Okay. Um, oh, God. What was his name? In the Alamo Bowl, not the first one where we lost, the second one where we lost. Um, Sam Ellinger goes out of that game for Texas, and they're like hanging with Texas. Casey mm-hmm. Thompson, who ended up yep. going to Nebraska, who they then forced out in favor of Justin. So, like, <laughs> go fuck yourselves. Um, I will, Casey Thompson I will say real in. quick on Casey Thompson. If yeah. he was still Nebraska, that's a bowl team. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, if, they're yeah, like, yeah. they're at least halfway decent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, anyways, can't believe they, they forced that guy out. But anyway, Casey Thompson comes in and the Alamo Bowl absolutely blows, blows the doors off of, out of the game and just completely kills us. Yeah. Um, like you said, Max Duggan comes into the TCU game, takes over the starting job, and takes TCU to the national championship. This doesn't happen to other teams, okay? It happens to us. It happens to us. So if we can come into this game and this guy can get absolutely dominated, just hold a big fat L from us, then as far as I'm concerned, I have no more qualms about the rest of the year. I'm all in. I'm already all in, but like that is that's like breaking through. That's like the final boss, okay? We have a backup quarterback coming in. It's time to dominate him. All right. It's time to make him hate the fact that he was promoted. Okay. He's going to look terrible and we need to absolutely destroy him. And then I will feel so happy. And that'll be the end. I mean, you nail it right on the head. I was going to say there's another layer of buff shit, which is coming out and just laying an egg against a team you are clearly better than. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we haven't been better than people in a long time, you know? No, we haven't. But, um, but like, even in like, a, like recent, recent issues past, like, I think of like 2019 Air Force, for example. Sure. Yeah. You could argue or we were Arizona. Than them. Although that was a, that was a good Air Force team. That, that was that they won a lot of games. But, um, yeah, that was. That was a tough. That was a tough game to watch. Yeah, God, so good to be on the other side of that. It re- it really is, and yeah, it's it's Bra- his name's Braden Fowler Nicolosi is the guy that's coming in. So that's a long. Yes, time. yes, okay. But, Braden Fowler Nicolosi. I mean, to his credit, he looked better than Clay Millen mm-hmm. uh, when he came in, um, and I think, I mean, now that it's been two weeks and since I watched most of that game. Uh, Clay Millen got hurt, right? It wasn't because he got benched. Um, I believe so. I believe he, uh, I, I thought I saw he maybe got hurt, but then I thought I listened to a podcast where they were saying, I don't think they mentioned anything about him being injured. They were just talking about whether or not they would move on from him. So maybe not. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. Um, yeah, he might, he might've been hurt in the moment and then it wasn't like a serious injury or anything. And then, right. Just, I mean, by the time it happened in the middle of a drive that they switched. So I do think, yeah, yeah. something happened um, where he got hurt, but that was actually, um, yeah, that was, it was kind of funny because uh, Clay Millen's in there 
and they're trying to get something going and it's just not working. And Braden Fowler and Nicolosi comes in and uh, has one completion, throws an incompletion, and then throws a pick. Yeah. So it uh, wasn't a good start for him. But yeah, they, um, I mean, he, by the time he came in, it was already 29 to three. He threw that interception and Washington State scored twice in a row after that. So it was what, 43 to 10 or 43, 36 to three, something like that before he ever actually started getting going. So most of his yardage and most of the numbers that he did put up were against, I'm sure, Washington State's uh, backups, second string players. So, yeah, I mean, 20, a 21 point quarter is nothing to laugh at. But no, it's definitely not. I mean, he he like you were saying, he did pretty well. He looked better, a lot better than the guy who started for them. I'm just going to be interested to see what it looks like when he's out there going against ones the whole time. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, in that game, I believe it was Justice Ross Simmons that had like a big he had a big like 75 yard catch. Um, but I think that we the guy to worry about is Tory Horton. He's like projected to be drafted if he leaves this year. I don't know if he might even be a senior, honestly, but he's projected to be drafted. But that's the thing is, and this is, I, we're going to run into this situation so many times this year until I think USC is one on one and two on two at the cornerback position. We will win that matchup every single time. Yes. And because, because, Omari and Cooper is he's been I mean, awesome. That, that dude is a stud. Has awesome. uh, he he's and I and I feel bad because everyone's like, oh, Travis Hunter, of course he's gonna make plays. And he does. But now when you're coming in and looking at this team at, at one as an offensive coordinator and two as a quarterback, you have to look at it and you have to say, who do we throw the ball to and how? And to me, I think where teams can beat us right now is with a Mitch with a tight end mm-hmm. matched up against the linebacker because I think that's where even Nebraska I think that's where they had some success throwing the ball to start because you've got two corners that are I think both are going to be all Pac-12 by the end of the, end of the year well, maybe maybe not first team but they'll be all Pac-12 should be the way they're going so you have to pick and you, you basically have to pick your poison. You know, are you going to, are you going to throw to the guy who's going to be a top five NFL pick? Probably not. Okay. Are you going to throw to the other guy who's been locking down receivers for the first two games? If you have to, yeah. you're, you, you have to, you're going to have to almost scheme your way into getting, getting a linebacker matched up on, on a tight end or a slot guy, because even Trevor Woods has, aside from the one freak catch that, that, that TCU tight end made, <laughs> Yeah. Trevor Woods has been playing well in coverage. I think Shiloh is kind of a liability in coverage. A little bit. I was going to say, I think he's the one guy who at least has been showing up in the games where he's been getting beat by guys. But I don't know enough about assignments for safeties to really know for sure. But I have seen a couple of times he'll get matched up one-on-one with guys and just get beat on like, yeah, like a slant inside or something like that. So, Yeah, I mean, um, it's... I don't know, man. And if you're if you're Fowler Nicolosi, God, that's such a long name. You've <laughs> got to be you've got to be nervous coming to this game because Tory Horton, as good as he is, he's not gonna he's not gonna beat those guys one on one. He's just not gonna I, do it. I do like I think 
I wouldn't be surprised if, especially with Travis, he takes it upon himself to be like, all right, this is their guy. Like he's supposed to be a big deal. And it's, you know, it's still, it's game day. It's, it's ESPN, it's ABC or, or not ABC, but it's, you know, it's a nationally televised game yep. and he has a real legitimate wide receiver opponent to go up against one-on-one. I feel like that's the type of thing he would uh, relish. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup to watch, but yeah, I mean, last Nebraska didn't even throw the ball at him. Like no. they just basically were like, Nope, not going to throw it near Travis the whole game. And um yeah, and O'Mary and Cooper, he only gave up one catch in the game against Nebraska. And you know that they were going that side of the field more than they were going in Travis's direction. So um, I don't, yeah, I don't know what you do. I mean, the thing about this game is, and I haven't been able to say this about CU maybe ever, but we legitimately, I, I don't know if there's a position that we are not better than them at. Like, like, like line, like, are you talking about like D line to O line or are you talking about like R O R like left tackle compared to their like, like in position groups, I haven't broken down every single individual player, but I don't like, I, I know our wide receivers are better. I know our corners are better. They have a guy who was a safety who they really liked. I'm blanking on his name right now, but he got absolutely torched during the Washington. Yeah. During the Washington state game. So um, I don't see why that would be an issue, um, but maybe that's comparable if he really is like better. I don't know. It's I just like we have such a large talent advantage in this game. I'm gonna be surprised if it ends up being close. Like I won't be that shocked if maybe it's a slow start or something like that because that stuff happens. But I'm gonna be shocked if this game ends up being within a couple of touchdowns like I'm really I'm really feeling like it's going to be a huge blowout and I know people are talking about oh it's CSU like they always come to play and they always and no, blah, they blah, don't. Blah. we have absolutely smoked them in multiple years so in the worst period of CU football history yes like we have absolutely boat raced them a few times so I think people need to just accept the fact that it's a good football team and they will blow some people out. They already have once, but this is going to be a different story. <laughs> like, I mean, what what is what is our perceived biggest weakness? I mean, on the lines. People, yeah, people running the ball against us. Right. Against Washington State, Colorado State went 20 carries or 37 yards for a 1.9 average. Yeah. And only... And let's take away the sacks. Okay, sure. We'll take away the sacks. 18 carries for 45 yards. Okay. <laughs> you got, what, two, two and a half? Yeah, two and a half yard r- rushing average there. If you can't run the ball against this defense, you are screwed. Yeah. And this, and again, it just it just comes back to we've got elite defensive backs on on the outside, on the outside. And so if you can't run the ball, oh man. And and it's in Boulder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's gonna be rocking again. College game day is there. Big noon kickoff. They love us so much. They were like, Well, we don't have your game, but we'll just come out here anyway. Yeah. Why like, not? I mean, it's still it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. I mean, it's sold out, you know, it sold out last week before the Nebraska game even happened. So 
um yeah i just think we have advantages all over the place maybe you could have told me it was going to be closer than i wanted if it was at csu and you're playing in like a big empty ass stadium and it's just weird vibes you know like that people aren't used to but no it's gonna be rocking again um and cu fans are gonna be out for blood you know like it's gonna be two weeks in a row like they're looking for two weeks in a row of of dominating your rivals and you just played the one that is better like you played the harder one already in a letdown spot like you had the trap game already now you have essentially a I guess if you were arguing for a slow start, you would say maybe a look-ahead situation where they're looking past CSU to Oregon. But even then, I don't. I just don't. I feel like it's shaped up to be a good spot for them to just really put a beat down on somebody because they didn't play. They like we said already, they didn't play that great against Nebraska. Like there were things that they have to fix. Like I'm sure that the coaches are like have plenty to talk about to hammer in to like be better at and i just think that this will be the perfect opportunity for them to go and put a crooked number up you know yeah i think yeah i mean i wouldn't be surprised if we see video game type numbers out here and one thing i do want to see is and, and they did it okay this we keep coming back to the brass game two things one like you said i mean they showed up poorly in the first half the team is like they've got they they're resilient. Obviously, yes. they mm-hmm. they played that first half like you said, like kind of the way Nebraska wanted them to. They took it well, and then by the time the second half got started, it was over. I mean, you could just tell when they came out, like it was like okay, this is this this team's ready to play. Um, the second thing is, and now my mind's blanking on what I was even going to say. Um, so I apologize. Go ahead, Chase. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I just come, think they're gonna. Back to me. Uh, I just, I just think they're gonna put it on CSE. Oh. Last I checked. Got it. Yeah, go ahead. Or if I go got a. You gotta let yeah. me get my eighty eight eighty yeah, yeah. here. Sure. The they let they let Staub run the offense. When was the last time a CU quarterback came in and got to actually run the offense? Oh yeah, I know, right? He like threw so, a pass. Yeah, yeah. A couple. So yeah. I, I, I want to see, I want to see Ryan Staub come in. And get to run the offense, score some yeah. touchdowns, get some of the younger O line guys action. We don't really have any other D line guys to get action, so that's fine. I want to uh, see because... Charlie Offerdahl score a touchdown. That's yeah. what I want. Okay, I want fourth quarter Charlie Offerdahl touchdown because that would just be great. Just give yeah. me a walk on running back touchdown. Yeah. It... I I think we got we got to get some of those guys playing because I mean yeah like we have we've we've shown through two games that our ones are better than the mm-hmm. other teams ones for the majority of the time yeah so let's get some run for those guys that aren't seeing the field that much so that if they do need to come in they've got some game experience yep yep um. Speaking of ones and twos, I will say that's the one thing. It's a good thing we have CSU this week because I know like Van Wells kind of limped off the field uh, yeah. at the end of the last game. Sounds like they're unsure if he's going to be good to go for this week or not. Um, but uh, Zelinskis, I think, was his backup. Zielinski, Came in and like played pretty well. Yeah, he did. Um, 
Like I think his first play was literally the Weaver like wide receiver screen, and he was the one who was out there making the block that yeah uh, set him loose. So um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. It's I'm glad if Van Wells is going to be out for a little bit. I'm glad that they have CSU as their opponent to like figure that out, and he's not just going into Otson Stadium and being like, "All right, first start number thirteen, Oregon." You know, good luck. So. I think it shapes up well. Um, speaking of schedule, I know we are going long here, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, it's been two weeks. Mm-hmm. We've seen this team play two games. 15 and They're 0. Both very different. 15 oh. and 0. <laughs> no. Um, continue with your question. I think I know I was just, going. I was No, I was going to say, uh, what, do you, what do you feel? I forget. You said 7 and 5, right? Yeah, I said seven and five, and that was including um, a loss to TCU. Yes, so I'm interested after like a couple weeks now of football, how you're feeling on the Buffs' overall record. That's yeah. So yeah, like like I said, seven and five was with a loss to TCU, so that automatically automatically puts me at eight and five or eight and four territory. Yeah. If I don't if I don't think that this team is any better than I did before mm-hmm. that prediction, I think this team is miles better. Then I had them at seven and five, which is saying something because going from one eleven to seven and five in and of itself is coaching job of the year, coach of the year kind of work. Sure. Yeah. I I go back and forth on this, but I think nine say nine like nine and three regular season is what I'm thinking it's going to be. Okay. Um, nine. So and, nine and three. Yeah. Which is. I mean that's so you're you're basically allowing losses to maybe Oregon, USC, and Utah essentially. Pretty much, and would be my think, my guesses. That that is because Arizona State already like is getting hit with injury issues. Oh yeah, they're they're uh, they're not good. Stanford might be worse. They're horrible. And last yeah. year's Colorado team, and that is a feat in and of its own. Uh, UCLA. Chip Kelly has never scared me since he's been there at UCLA. <laughs> sure. I mean, he's kind of a dweeb, first of all, but also his – and they don't have DTR. No, they've um, got a freshman quarterback who has looked good, but, yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm with you on that one. Oregon State kind of concerns me because they play the kind of football that is built to beat this team, which is just smashing the mouth, and they have a quarterback that can actually throw the ball when they need to, so they don't have to worry about what Nebraska did. They're well coached too, yeah. which is my thing. Is like I do. I think the first two games I've shown, like we've, they've, the CU staff has definitely out coached both the teams that they played to this point, mm-hmm. and I feel like they'll have that ability for most of these games. Yeah, but Oregon except- State is like a well coached team, and obviously USC is you know Lincoln Riley and stuff. Dan Lanning can suck my nuts. I don't, Dude, I don't care Dan about Lanning. Dan Lanning whatsoever. Um, yeah. But like, obviously, he's had some success. Um, and Kyle Whittingham at Utah, obviously, they're just always good at the end of the year, which is why it sucks right. that we play them last every single every year because that's when they're peaking. But whatever. It's, yeah, hopefully it's not that way in the Big Twelve. But anyway, yeah, so or- yeah, Oregon State. Oregon State gives me some pause. If you were to ask me, if I had to put money on it, mm-hmm. um, I would say we are more likely to lose, might be a hot take, to Oregon State than we are to USC. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Because USC's defense is trash. Yeah, that's definitely, yeah. 
can we score with them? I think so. If our defense continues to improve like it did from week one to week two, because mm-hmm. let's face it, Lincoln Riley has had has enough uh, has enough uh, of a track record of where his defenses are just fucking they're trash. Sure, yeah. So that defense isn't improving. If C's defense improves enough, where they can get three, four stops on a USC on the US this USC team, can USC stop CU three or four times? I don't know. That's I do think that's what it's going to be. I do think it's going to it's going to be an absolute shootout. Like the shootout of all shootouts is going to be yeah. USC Colorado. Whatever the sure. over is, I'm taking it because yep. Vegas isn't going to put a hundred point over. Yeah, I was going to say, are, are they going to put it at? I'm 100? taking it because <laughs> if they don't put it at a hundred, like it's going to hit. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, so that would leave Arizona, Washington State, Utah. That last stretch. Yeah, I think I think our most likely three losses are are Utah, Oregon, Oregon State. Yeah, interesting. But, I mean, and then and I could be wrong. I mean, we could sure. we could end no. up we could lose all four of those games. But I was gonna, yeah, I we're was, gonna be a team that we should. I was gonna put us at at eight. I feel like eight is is like a very achievable number without even having to be too surprising. You know what I mean? Like they could get eight. And not beat Oregon and lose to Oregon, USC, Utah, and like Oregon State at home or Washington State on the road. Like they could lose those four games and still get to eight wins at this point. Um, yeah. And I, I guess for me, that's just me factoring in. Like I agree with you. I think they'll probably beat someone that they really shouldn't or that people definitely think they have no chance against. Um, I have one of those games uh, circled in my mind right now, and I'm not going to say it yet, but we'll be talking about it later. I'm sure um, that I feel like they have a good a good shot at, but we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, even just the fact we're talking about their over under was three and a half, three yeah, and a half. That's going to pay big. Three for and me. a half wins for the whole season, and they're at two going into Colorado state. So, so yeah, I feel very good. I mean, I feel very good about them beating Arizona state and Stanford and frankly, Arizona, because Jaden Delora just can't stop turning the ball over. Um, those are all, I mean, Arizona's at home. Stanford's at home. Like the, that's, that's six. That's a bowl game right there. If they beat Colorado state and then you're just talking about, yeah, they should be able to beat UCLA. I think, I think they should be able to beat, Washington State and Oregon State, I think, would be a great game. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it comes down to. I have um, another future on Colorado other than their three and a half wins that I took on the off chance that they ended up being as good as everyone was saying that they're going to be. Um, and it's to make the Pac 12 championship game. So that would be cool like if I even got to the point where the, that was like worth cashing out. I didn't put a lot on it or anything, but it yeah. pays out a lot because oh, yeah. it was a pretty big uh the odds on that one were were pretty substantial um going into the season well when does when does is cam rising do they have any idea on when he might be back uh it sounds like soon like they seem to think that he was going to be available for week one maybe and then yeah he was out week one, and then he was out week two. 
now they've got their they've got one guy solidified at least to be starting now until he gets back but um i mean because the way it, i look it at it sounds like it's going to be a couple games yeah i mean the way i look at it utah will beat usc because they always do and that is <laughs> it is foretold sure. and then usc <laughs> it's foretold. U- usc will probably drop one that they shouldn't because that is also foretold and that is how sure. usd yeah that's is. true they always lose yeah they so, always lose to somebody so cu just needs to be one of them <laughs> to pull the head to head yeah true yeah um yeah but no i don't know man we'll see what what the one this is the last thing i'll say on this because again yeah, we're going a little long here but Let's say let's say let's take the lesser of the two. Let's say they go eight and four regular season. That is crazy. Not only before season, like if you think you're thinking about how this how that comes out from the, the way this team was being projected before the season started, but even during the season, because the Pac-12 is knucking futs and is it is so much better than people thought it was going to be. Right? So we, good. It's so it's such there's the conference is like being talked about as the best conference in college football right now. As at it least stands in terms of depth. Yes. Yeah. As, as it stands, if they go eight and four, that's against the schedule that includes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine ranked teams. Is that SCU including have, TCU being ranked when the season started? Yeah. Yeah. That's nine ranked teams they would have they would have played, and to win eight of twelve when you're playing nine ranked teams is, I mean, that's. I think Coach Prime has already got Koi locked down. I think no matter how this season ends, unless they were obviously to lose the next ten, with mm-hmm. which they won't, that sure. he's got Koi locked down. That he's got what locked down? Koi, Coach of the Year. Oh, I, guess it's, I was like, I what, people what call are you Cody. saying to me? Cody. Um, yeah okay yeah probably i mean if they do that then yeah people will not be able to shut up about him but you know we just got to be ready for whatever happens i mean if they go into eugene and lose that game then you got to be ready for people to be like okay here it comes like here's the colorado downfall and all that stuff but yeah just gotta gotta be ready to roll roll with the punches on that one but I don't know, man. I'm excited. I'm ex- truly excited about the future of a Buffs uh, team for the first time in a long time. Long time, long time. Long time. Because even 2016 was like, this is great, but you're thinking on the horizon. We're like, they it's a very senior heavy team. <laughs> like, and they can't beat Washington. And you're like, okay, so see what happens this year. But the next year, like, I don't know. They're going to lose a lot of people, you know? So. Yep. Um, no, I- I get what no, you're it's, saying. It's nice to feel like they're going to be good this year. They are good this year. And it's only like, I feel like next year is only going to get better, you know? So agreed. Agreed. But yeah, I think that'll, I think that'll do it for, for this week's episode. Again, as always hit up the mailbag. If you want to shoulder to shoulder pod at gmail.com. Um, any reviews help us get our name out there. So we always appreciate that. Uh, unless it's one star. Don't, don't send it. Just, now, just give us a five star review, and then if you want to trash us, us yeah. trash us in the comment, just go ahead and just throw it in there. But yeah, we'll, maybe we'll even read it if it's funny. I don't, I don't care. But yeah, just yeah. give it five stars. Uh, and um, as always, let's go bus, let's go bus, baby.